get afternoon. This this is a uh, afternoon where we're at. It's to 11 p.m. in uh, Eastern Standard Time on the uh, 19th of December, r right before Christmas 2018. I think it's cool to just kind of say where we're at in time and space. And um, I want to jump into this podcast. Yeah, just impressed of the Lord to get in today, uh, in particularly on uh, calling. And I know in a previous podcast there's been some introduction, but I want to get into this aspect of calling in your life, and I certainly want to share a personal uh, story with you that I think would encourage you and help you uh, in your answer to your calling. Years ago, I'd got a book by Oz Guinness called The Call, and I, I don't know if you've read that, but it's, uh, you know, I could commend it to you because it's a very good book on calling. And I want to give you, you know, we're going to work through some quotes and that and, and share uh, with you out of his book. Um, one thing he said was calling is not just a matter of being, being and doing that we are. But it's also becoming what we are not yet because we are called by God to be. So I just want to separate these two things because a lot of us, we, we understand this, but it's not just a matter of being which is wrapped up in your identity. And it's not just about doing which is wrapped up in your destiny, but it's also in what you're becoming. And uh, Paul, you know, he encouraged Timothy, you know, to... Uh, fight the good fight of faith but he gives him this passage where he says you know to war on behalf of the the calling that had been placed in his life and um this is the overarching idea that i want to get at today is uh, when god starts and begins to speak to us and share with us uh, you know where he wants us to go a lot of times he'll bring that vision to us and yet we uh, for some of us for some period of years possibly um will wait uh, for that uh, calling to manifest itself. My dear uh, brother that's with me today, Henry Todd, and uh, I'm sure one day you'll get to hear his testimony because it's so wonderful. But for 20 years, him and his wife, uh, Wendy, they wait on the Lord uh, in, uh, in South Florida for God to, to speak to them. And he gives him a four-point word. He goes through lots of adversity and trials and like I said, uh, I, I want you to hear from him one of these days, and uh, we'll record uh, his story. But it's such a remarkable story of believing the Lord and saying uh, yes to him and, and going beyond, you know, uh, familially. A lot of times our families don't necessarily understand what God is saying to us. Uh, also going beyond our culture. Maybe we're being invited into a new culture maybe that we've never been into before. Uh, many times also you're having a change of geography, a geographic locational change. And the Lord may be inviting you into something that is even outside of where you've lived most of your life. And my encouragement for you today in this podcast is really to listen to the Lord and to, to follow him. Um, Oz Guinness said, we cannot find God without God. We cannot reach God without God. And we cannot satisfy God without God. It's another way of saying that our seeking will always fall short unless God's grace initiates the search. 
Uh, Proverbs 25, 2 says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of a king to search it out. And so the Lord has made this uh, relationship with him where he gives you a little bit of material. It may seem uh, vague, and there comes this search that goes on in your life and he, when he speaks to you. And he's the one who's doing the drawing and the initiating, but you're doing the running, meaning that you're saying yes to him and you're partnering with him and you're saying, hey, I will allow you to draw me and I will keep searching for you. And it's God's glory to conceal aspects of our life that we don't even know about. It's our glory to search that out until uh, and make a diligent search. Um, be encouraged, you know, in your search uh, with God and that that's the way he's arranged uh, our lives is so it's kind of like being on a treasure hunt you know with God and uh, you know there's been some really good films come out like that uh, I think Nicholas Cage was in a film about this and and uh, going on a big treasure hunt a national treasure I think they did some films on that and that that was a that's a really cool film I would say that the, your calling is much like that you're on a journey to find something or uh, to engage with Scripture, to engage in these relationships with different people. Um, I'd like you to see it with joy. Oz Guinness said also that modern life is assaulting us with an infinite range of things we could do. Uh, you know, with the whole iPhone, iPad, uh, our information technology era, you can get involved in 50 to 100 different things a day. And so life is assaulting us that way, trying to get us out of focus. Things that you might even love to do or even what people are telling you you should do. But we are not God, Guinness said, and we are, are neither infinite nor eternal. We are quite simply finite. You have so many years, so much energy, so many gray cells, so many banknotes in, in our wallets. Life's too short, eventually shortened to life is too short for us to play around with what God has invested in us and what he desires for us. So now I just want to tell you something that happened to, to in my own personal life, because um, in this opening section of this phase double O, a lot of these stories that I'm giving you are personal, uh, but maybe you'll connect to them and they'll matter to you in your own particular life also. It was in 1995. I'm about a year old in the Lord. I had been, as soon as I, after I converted, I started preaching. Uh, within six months, I was preaching youth revivals. And um, that was really an amazing time because, you know, I'm, I'm learning the scripture. I'm learning uh, my life of prayer. Uh, the young adult groups that I was with were having prayer meetings almost every night. And, uh, the, man, they're just phenomenal, just a phenomenal time. I'm 18 years old, and uh, and I'm really, I'm starting to see people turn their heart to the Lord, and we're getting salvations, and really an amazing moment. And it... Um, it comes up in 1995. I'm already in the Air Force, and I was invited to go to to a Billy Graham crusade, and uh, and he was doing a meeting in uh, Erickson Stadium at the time, which is downtown Charlotte. And uh, 
we were in a stadium, and, you know, uh, I was listening to him preach and, you know, just hearing the message. And uh, and then he, he was coming to a closure in his sermon. And I tell you, this is probably one of the most impactful things I've ever had experienced in, in a meeting of this size. But when he goes to make the call for souls, it was like almost like a cloud descended over the entire stadium. And the spirit of the war started like sweeping around there. And when I started seeing people go to the altar, and I just was cut to the heart. Uh, I mean, it's tears just pouring, you know, out of my eyes. And I just feel the love of God for souls and how he cares about people. Um, I'd say one of those marker moments in my personal life, and I... Um, just focusing on souls like that and you know I didn't know what really was going on there until some time later and you know sometimes people in our life they they may have words for us and they know things about us and um, my mother she said that while I was sitting there crying she said that the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, you know, one day your son will be in the stadiums and he, he will preach. And, and much like Billy Graham, he will um, turn people to me. And, um, you know, she told me that afterwards and, and I, yeah, I laughed her off, you know, because I said, you know, this is just a mom. She, you know, she wants me to be a preacher and she wants me to save souls. She wants me to be famous and popular and do something to, change the world and that's just the way uh good christian mothers are and uh you know i while i do love souls and everything i don't know that i'm called into into something like that you know and i sort of laughed it off and dismissed it uh as just uh you know just a fluke well some years later and again the reason why i'm telling this is because i want you to see that how your calling can uh, go through years and and when God has his hand on you that it the, that the Lord may take a, a really long period of time sometimes not but before he confirms uh, the call and so there's this this time of calling that where it begins and then there's this confirmation period that comes and then I would like to say there's probably a commissioning time when God finally uh, you know will commission you into what he's called you to do and so uh, I suppose it was probably, I think, 10 or 12 years later. Um, I'm married at, at, you know, at the time, and my wife and I uh, had been assigned by the Lord to go to uh, Boone, North Carolina, to go up, and, and uh, I had been learning strategic warfare intercession as it relates to taking cities for the Lord. And how that there was, uh, I had been learning, I've been in the school with the Lord about how to move cities in geographic areas uh, by through prayer to to bring them to unseat a power or a principality over a particular geographic region, so that it could be effective for the, of the evangelization of the lost. 
Now, I just said a big mouthful, and I need to put a caveat in here. Please don't engage with that kind of thing unless the Holy Spirit leads you to. I just need to say that. Uh, and I think um, John Paul Jackson wrote a good book on this called Needless Casualties of War. So I, I just want to place that in there because this is kind of like that thing where, uh, you know, you don't want to get yourself engaged in something you've not been called to do. Make sure that everything that you're engaged in is something God is initiating with you and not out of zeal uh, because that is uh, can be really dangerous uh, for your life. Well, anyways, we had I have I have been told to go to Boone to find this one particular man and to uh, make an attempt to lead him to the Lord. And while we were going on our way there, um. I had, was listening to a sermon by Ryan White, who is, I believe he's out of eastern Tennessee, his ministry. I, I don't know if it is still now, but it used to be. And Ryan White was, uh, I was listening to him, and he was talking about how your parent, his, I believe it was his dad and possibly his mother, knew uh, that he had a call in his life, and he was in accounting and the Lord was teaching him about how to build an atmosphere in his workplace uh, to expand the kingdom by just um, being intentional about focusing on the Lord. And so while I'm listening to Ryan Wyatt, he was saying, you know, my dad you know, knew that I wasn't supposed to be an accountant, that I was going to be a, a minister. And I, it kind of perked up my ears and I thought, you know what, I, I think I'm going to tell my wife, I think we've been married for five years at this point, maybe six years. I think I'm going to tell her what happened back in 1995 at Erickson Stadium. And uh, honestly, I'm kind of reticent about telling her because, you know, going to the stadium ministry kind of seemed like just such a big thing. And um, I mean, really, honestly, is this really going to happen? And I thought, well, she's just going to say, Carol, you just you know, that's not legit, and it's so subjective, and, you know, that's just your mother saying that. Well, so Ryan Wyatt, had, you know, had finished saying what he was, and, of course, he's being used powerfully by the Lord in ministry, and it was so refreshing to hear how the Lord's using him to touch so many people. And I go to open up my mouth, and I uh, hadn't even said anything to my wife. And I open up my mouth. Uh, this car cuts right in front of me. Uh, while we're going down the interstate and pulls right in front of me and I noticed that it has these you know stickers you know as some cars do on the back of the, the bumper of the car I look and I, I kind of like squint and I look and I see this tag and it says Billy Graham Erickson Stadium and I'm going to tell you you know when you have moments like that, you're just like, no way, this is not happening. This is not real. Like somebody pinched me. You know, I cannot believe this is happening because, first of all, I haven't said anything to my wife yet, but I'm like, what just happened? And it was the original sticker from 1995, and it was kind of like, serrated and in you know, a cut and it was weather torn and it said you know Erickson Stadium Billy Graham crusade something like that 
and I, I don't remember if it said 1995, but it's on the back of this car. And if I can find the picture, I'll put it up for you on this podcast, so you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is for this is for real, you know, because for me, it's just it was so surreal. And the Lord, He just speaks to me, and He's you know, the Lord is kind of. I love his personality sometimes, <laughs> but you know, he was like, uh, do you believe me now? You know, and I'm like, how couldn't I believe that God's going to take this, this work one day that he's calling the church to, and he's going to take it to the stadiums and he's going to show himself to be glorious and he's going to save and, and transform people in power and it's going to be remarkable what he's going to do. And I I look at my wife and I said, you, you're just not going to believe this. I said, you know, look in front of us. I, I was like, I was just about to tell you this story. So, and, th- and there it was, that story. So, again, God now has made this call. And now here comes a confirmation. Um and on our way to to see you know this man saved and get this this guy that we're going to see his name's Joseph Daniel <laughs> I mean I mean what a name I mean he's got a he's got like the two guys Joseph and Daniel they're both elevated to a position the second in command over their nations and are both given prophetic dream interpretation and he's a contractor Needless to say, we get up there and I go to lead him to Christ and he totally will not see me or anything. And and is like really put off. And so I, I end up getting a book and to help him and I send it to him with a letter. And about a year later, this guy writes me, I believe it was from Texas, and he's read the letter because... Joseph Daniel never read the letter that I sent him and he put it back on Amazon and sent and someone else purchased the book and I get an email back about it. Well, pray for that guy and I hope that he's come to know the Lord, but he was like I suppose one of the chief guys there in, in Boone, North Carolina. And the way I didn't understand what was going on there and I want you to kind of hear this too is in the middle of all this strategic intercession of things I come to find out after I leave there that the whole thing was like doing a mock run or a trial test. And it wasn't like totally the Lord was teaching me how this is going to work one day because how he's going to unseat uh, places over geographic regions and come in and advance the gospel of the kingdom to um, take cities in, in the world before he returns. And so this was just one of those um, moments where you're just learning the mechanism of how he's going to do it one day. And I find that out later. I think this is the real deal, but it was really just all like running a, a mock, like a, you know, like a trial run on this is how I'm going to do it. Oz Guinness says, you know, calling resists privatization by insisting on the totality of faith. It uh, calling resists politicization by demanding attention with every human allegiance and association. 
here's the thing. Your your call that's on your life, you cannot privatize it. You know, I trust me, I've tried, to, you know, to get alone and just like, I'll work this thing out with nobody around. But it won't work. When, you, when you're called, you're going to affect other people in your life, like it or not. So your calling must resist trying to, to take it into a cave somewhere and hide yourself away from everybody. Another side, though, it resists politicizing uh, people by getting their allegiance or patronizing people to get them to associate with you that you're not going to be able to politicize people with a calling. You're not going to you're not going to run a social justice initiative if it's not being born by the spirit. It it will not work, and uh, many people have attempted to do that, but it it will it will end up backfiring because people don't like to be used, and so you cannot politicize people with a calling because calling is the is not trying to uh, get something for yourself. You're, you're giving your life away. Um, calling resists polarization by requiring an attitude toward an action in society that's inevitably transforming because it is constantly engaged. Uh, again, you're not going to you're not going to uh, polarize. Uh, we, I mean, today in our culture, is so much polarization going on. But in calling, there won't be a polarization. Um, the grandest Christian movements rise and fall. Grand cam- campaigns will be mounted. Grand coalitions will be assembled. But altogether, such coordinated efforts will never match the influence of untold numbers of followers of Christ living out their callings faithfully across the vastness and complexity of modern modern society. That's Oz Guinness. Again, here's the point. Your life matters and I hope that that's what you're you know really getting from today's podcast that that it really does matter that you say yes to the Lord you might say well uh, it doesn't look like I'm making a big impact or it looks like I'm making a huge impact listen it doesn't matter what what's going to matter when we stand for the word one day is did we follow him in what he was showing and revealing for our particular life did we say yes to him that's all that matters and I hope that you see that it doesn't matter if you're platformed or if you're behind the scenes. It it doesn't matter. You know, I heard one preacher said, don't matter if you're Billy Graham or Billy Graham's nanny. <laughs> what matters is that you're faithful and in your private life and your public life uh, before the Lord. Well, forward some more years after that, that time that happened going up to Boone, uh, I'm in Kansas City. And with one of my friends, and we were we were in this like Joseph conference meeting, and him and I, I don't know what it was. We kind of like to cut up, and we we're just kind of getting bored. And no offense to all the Joseph company people, it was a great meeting, but we just were you know, like, let's go out and see what we can get ourselves into. So we go into the hallway, and we run into Jonathan uh, Thomas, who's uh, Jay Thomas's brother, and I. I end up finding out that Jay Thomas and I went to high school together at East Rutherford High School in uh, Rutherford County, North Carolina, and I think I was a year older than him. But I, I get to know Jonathan Thomas, and man, he's just like, you know, just this wonderful person. I, I really respect him, admire him, 
Uh, and of course, Jay and his worship uh, music at IHOP, and it was really awesome to meet Jonathan. And um, Jonathan like looks at looks at me, and he he says uh, he says, do you, "Do you know who you are?" And I thought, "What kind of question is that?" You know. And uh, and I said, I, "I don't know what you're saying." And he says, you, "Did you know that I that movie Billy Graham, The Early Years? Did you know I was the guy who played in that movie?" And he says, uh, I was the guy that helped get Billy Graham into the stadium. And and I'm like looking at him and I and my buddy Josh and I are standing there and all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord falls on the three of us and knocks us backwards. And tears just flood in my eyes and Jonathan's eyes and Josh is like, what is that? I was like, it's the spirit of the Lord. And he's like, yeah, dude, man, this is amazing. And I was like, God, what? I don't know Jonathan from Adam. I, I don't know what's going on here. No. And there came the confirming word of the Lord again. And uh, and Jonathan looks at me and he says, you know, one day I'll do this. And you will see it and mark my word that one day the stadium's going to open up and the word's going to shift a generation towards himself. Man, you matter. Your life in God matters. Calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with a special devotion and dynamism lived out as a response to his summons and service. I hope that you can see, you know, that that God has a way. He has a way in your life, he has a way in mine where he's he brings the call. And then throughout your journey there comes another confirmation. And then one day there's going to be a commissioning. And God's going to have his way. Now, I would encourage you to not play down what God's give you, nor to try to hype it up or make it happen. Uh, I, God has his way and he has his time. And that, that we are to, to wait before him. And that, that you would be faithful to unpack what God has for you in your life. That you have a gift and you have a purpose and you have a reason for living every day. And that God has not just uh, shelved you somewhere. I think that so many believers are like, just feel like they're put on the shelf. And they've been set apart. And I just want to encourage you because there are shelf time experiences. There's just time when you're not being seen. You, you might be with leadership right now that's just, they don't recognize you. They misunderstand you. That you are uh, relegated to common tasks. Uh, you got this phenomenal private life going on with God, but it's not matching up with what the Word said. The enemy may be coming against you with hostility. Uh, their, your, their family might not understand what's going on in your life, and you're just like, God, how do you speak this to my life? And it don't seem to be lining up with my present circumstances. I want to encourage you today, you know, in this podcast, don't let go of what God has placed in you. You know, 
just there's some really awesome films that's come out about this, but all we need is just one person to just say yes. You know, that could shape a million people. Uh, Caiaphas said about the Lord, he said, all we need to do is kill one man and we'll change the whole nation. And, uh, you know, I'd like you to see your life like that today. You count, you matter, you're important. Um, let's pray as we, uh, we close. Jesus, thank you for the gifts that you've given to men and women. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the power of your life being released. We pray, Lord, right now for this end-time generation, this end-time move that's about to pop globally. Just ask you, Lord, today that each one who have these phenomenal backgrounds with you would just stay faithful. Lord, we come against every enemy that is targeting and attacking uh, them to get them off assignment. Lord, we also say, um, show us the wisdom, Lord, to lean into what you're saying, not resist what it is that you have for our life. Lord, help us to know that we can't privatize, polarize, or politicize our callings, that when we're given over to you, thank you, Lord, for shaking us all down, for taking us out of privatization to just to, to be alone, Lord, for taking us out of politicizing and using others to benefit our own ends and means. And thank you, God, for taking us out of polarizing, Lord, uh, party and party politics and things, and taking all of that out of us so it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we thank you, Lord, and uh, for this time that we could share today. Oh